I'm sort of hearing whispers about it is this uh, equity. So this is now two times now that I've heard that U.S.-based lawyers have looked into this whole mechanic of the avatar itself is not equity, you know, because that would be a security, of course. But that token gives you the right to KYC and buy a small chunk of equity. And that seems pretty huge because there's a lot of projects out there that are taking in these huge funding rounds. And where is that money going? Is that is that going to the people? Is that going to the people running the project, to the actual people that are holding these tokens have like any right to like actually buy into the company itself. So I think that's like a really interesting like concept that hasn't really been explored. Welcome to another episode of Into the Fire, where we take a deeper look into NFTs and the people and stories shaping an industry. I'm John Hoyes, as always, joined by my co-host, Kevin Chen. Today, we speak with Adventuring and YVR Trader, the purveyors of The Watchers, a subparliament of G-Money's Admit One. We talk about where we are, where we've been, and where we're going. Without further ado, we bring you Adventuring and YVR Trader. All right, fellas, thanks for jumping on today. Uh, I know you guys have a lot of stuff going on with G-Money and uh, the Watchers. And uh, why don't we start off with uh, Adventuring? You want to give us a little bit of uh, your background and uh, how you got into the space and where we're at? Um, oh, okay. So how I got into the space. Um, I was in crypto in 2017 during you know, the initial hypes that were going on uh, back then, but I wasn't really like involved in any projects at that time. You know, it was more just jumping on the hype train just like everybody else. But uh, 2020, um, you know, I was just finishing my finance degree. I was going to be uh, get going into, you know, either work for a bank or a hedge fund and was going to be taking the CFA exam. And of course, COVID hit. Uh, so I actually found a hedge fund called Numerai that was running a machine learning competition off the side of their hedge fund that staked predictions with crypto. And so that's what sort of got me into the crypto space, like into an actual project. Um, you know, so a couple of months after that was, you know, of course, when I started uh, hearing a lot of news about NFTs and, you know, I was a Pokemon card, sports card collector in the late nineties, uh, like a lot of other people. And, you know, so I started with Top Shots, uh, which I think a lot of people um, that got into the space in that early 2021 time. It's the gateway was, drug. Uh, because of Top Shops. Yeah, <laughs> that was like, yeah, definitely the gateway drug for me. So, yeah, and here we are now, uh, about a year and a half later. Nice, nice. YVR, how about you? How did you get into this crazy world? Yeah, no, first off, thanks for having me. Um, I've, I've, I kind of come from the finance world, which is, I think, a lot of a lot of people in the space have a similar type path, uh, kind of came from investment world, stock equities, bonds and such. Uh, came into crypto more of a kind of a, v, a VC type uh, investor. Um, so looking at early stage projects, uh, investing in you know seed rounds, private rounds. Um, that would have been 20, late set 2017, early 2018. Um, and then, uh, the NFT space, I'm sure we can probably save this for another question, but that kind of just happened out of pure luck. So 
Yeah. Yeah, but no, tell us about that because that's a quite a jump to go from like the traditional finance, you know, world into NFTs. I mean, you know, like I'm sure if you explain that to some of your like finance friends, like what do they say to you? Yeah. Well, the the people people that know me know that I've always been an early adopter. So if there's something new, cool and shiny, I'm always attracted to that. So I I think at that time crypto was still very much an unknown. And it, it, I had a few people around me that were like, YVR, you should actually take the time to look at this. And I kept on hearing out, hearing about it. But, you know, just finally when I'm sitting down for a drink with a few buddies and they're like, seriously, you need to sit down and look at this. So it, 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 I kind of spent a weekend and that was like my aha moment. Like, holy shit, uh, this is probably going to change a lot of the ways we do everything. And, you know, I just started connecting the dots and I mean, then kind of NFTs came along where, you know, most of us saw it as just purely as a, a an art or collectible use case. And then as these other projects uh, started to come out, you saw these additional use cases. And, you know, those of us that kind of spend the time see that NFTs will eventually be attached to everything that we know. So um, the fact that I took the time to study and get in early, I think I'm enjoying uh, all these things that are doing really well right now because I was early and I was right on a few things. Well, you were telling us earlier, yeah, that you have you were early, I think, on the Board API Club. Uh, what was that? What was that process like? Uh, you know, what was the moment where you're like, I'm gonna spend some ETH on this? Like something? Like what clicked in your brain that was like, this is something I need to be a yeah. part of? Yeah, no, for Board Ape, I was actually a minter. I minted day, the day one. So I was kind of what? Um, in, yeah. Damn. So I was, I was with, I was in that kind of clubhouse group where people were talking about it. And I heard it date the first day and I, I didn't really pay much attention to it. And then the next day, they're like, this thing's going to sell out. And then that kind of got me like, holy, I should spend some time, look at this. I jumped in. And literally, I mint I minted two within the last thirty minutes before it sold out. Did you pick them, or was it just? I had a couple ETH that I was gonna drop on it, but at that time, I was still very much gun shy about spending money on NFTs because at that time, spending whatever it was three three hundred bucks on a monkey pick was it was silly. <laughs> Nobody really saw the value. So I, I I said, okay, whatever, I'll just buy a couple and see where it goes. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. And then here you guys are. So uh, so then what brings you guys together, right? Like how did you guys meet and what's this Genesis story of this? Adventuring, I could give that to you. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, both of us came together through Admit One. Um, you know, I... I, I believe YVR, um, you bought into the project, uh, correct? I did. Yeah. Um, you know, Emit One itself was initially a free mint if you, you know, at some point had interacted with G Money in some way. Uh, you know, that could have been either you met him in person or were, was at a specific event or uh, paid a lot of attention to um, his YouTube channel and his podcast and interacted with him on there. Just, uh, you know, if you interacted with him at some point during the last uh, nine months or so, um, he was passing out these PO apps. Um, you know, my story on that was actually a little crazy. I met him 
days before the mint um, at VCon um, in Minneapolis. I was walking with uh, somebody and came up to a group. And, you know, at first I didn't even realize that I had met him. It wasn't until afterwards that I like looked at my phone and it's like, oh, you have this G Money Po app in your phone. So um, I had got back from VCon. I was sitting there just doing my daily, you know, open sea browsing. And I'm like, what's this admit one thing that's like on the front page here? And this was already, I believe, day three. Um, and it was about to mint out. And I went to the website. I was like, I think I might have met him at VCon. <laughs> and I went to the website. There was a, a wallet checker there. And I saw there was less than 100 of them left. And it's like, you're eligible. And like at that point, it was like 80th already people were paying for it, I believe, that weren't on the allow list. And I just minted one for like 15 bucks right there on the spot. Wow. How did he have your wallet address? Did you give it to him when you met him or? He had the most coolest, awesome little Prada bag uh, that he had on his waist. And he used the NFC, uh, I, I believe it was an IYK uh, type chip. I don't remember if it was like on his phone or what like the actual device was, but it was like, you just put your phone right next to it and then boom, you just connect your wallet and threw the PO app in there from that. So that's what he uses his wallet collection. So, you know, I jumped in to the discord, of course, right away, once that came in and, um, over time, you know, there was a core group of people within the discord that was sort of just on their own. Nobody told us to do any of this stuff. We were just starting to reach out to projects. that we really wanted to like mint, you know, nothing to do with G money at all. And, um, you know, projects were answering back, you know, and I, I, I'm sure that's because of, you know, G money and the, and admit one and just the project we were, we were in and just knowing, you know, the caliber of people that are in this community, um, you know, projects were answering back. So, um, you know, over time we sort of started this little private chat. There was like a core group of us, um, the G money team actually sort of pulled us in on the side and was like, Hey, we noticed you guys are going out and doing a lot of stuff. We want to see you guys keep doing that. And, I actually already had experience um, working with, you know, communities in crypto like this with that Numerai um, project that I was already a part of. They have their own DAO and, you know, Numerai itself, of course, is not NFT related at all, um, but they started their own DAO and eventually I was pulled in as an elder, one of the seven elders, they called us the elders in their DAO. And uh, the CEO funds, you know, a little bit of money into the DAO and we do projects for the community. So, you know, we had to build that thing from the ground up. So putting together like a framework, you know, a manifesto, a communications log, you know, all of this stuff to try to keep track of everything and, um, you know, setting up the committee size. And what was fun was just, you know, really putting a lot of lore, you know, into it, as you could tell by the watchers, you know, you got like the Game of Thrones stuff going on there a little bit, the react role that you actually have to apply to get the notifications from us within the emit discord is the Night's Watch, of course. Uh, which also comes from Game of Thrones and, you know, the committee si size is nine. You know, I ended up choosing uh, nine members like the uh, Fellowship of the Ring and like Lord of the Rings. So, you know, it's just I threw a lot of this like lore in there. Uh, but really, people can come and go. I mean, 
I made it as simple as you want to leave the council and let somebody else come in, just end your watch, just like you would in uh, in real life. So, you know, we had a, a member that was with us from the beginning that ended up, um, you know, having to leave the council and we sort of had some open nominations and that's where YBR came in to the picture. Um, you know, we learned about his background, sort of did like a little interview with him and, you know, he just made perfect sense to jump in with us with all the connections that he has, especially with Proof and Moonbirds and, you know, all the other projects that he's in. I, I think that's super cool. Um, and I, I, I kind of just maybe want to give people some context here, right? I think uh, Adventuring, you had hopped into our Hotlings Discord and, you know, we immediately started chatting on there and you kind of told me a little bit about what Advit One was doing and what you were doing on the committee, which is why I wanted to have the both of you on because I think it's super cool what you guys are doing for the watchers and the kind of quality of partnerships that you guys are bringing to the project just as a community alone is impressive, right? So I kind of wanted to pick your guys' brains on what that process looked like, right? Because I think um, a big meta within the space is these partnerships, right? And, and getting whitelist access to these different projects and doing that the right way and making sure that you have the right partnerships, right? Um, but for people who don't know, maybe YBR or, or Adventuring, maybe you can give the audience an idea of what the Watchers is and what it is that you guys do as a committee within Admit One. As Alec Adventuring mentioned, Watchers is kind of a, a sub committee at um, Admit One where uh, we're out there looking at uh, quality projects um, to get a lot less spots for our community members. Um, what we look for, I mean, some projects come internally because Admit One is actually built. Uh, a lot of the members there are builders or people that have their own projects. So um, those people that have a project internally, we do have a ticket system where they can make a request saying, hey, we've got a project, give us some information. And then we take it internally as the watchers and take a look at it, do an internal vote whether or not it passes our, our sniff test or quality test, what have you. So as long as it passes the test and gets the majority of votes, uh, it'll then be passed on to our, our, our watch um, notification system. So we post it internally on a channel and then the entire community uh, would get a wind of that and then they could go and uh, uh, apply for the pre-mint uh, spot. In terms of outside projects, I mean, most of us personally, I mean, I have a lot of contacts out in the space. I know a lot of people, a lot of builders. We tend to know what's good, what's not, what's happening, what's hot. So when you have those connections and you can talk to the founders or people that are well-connected, it's it's fairly easy. And then when you approach saying, oh, we're with the Admit One and it's G Money's project, uh, doors tend to open a lot easier. And that's the thing. I mean, we're, we're bringing some value to Admit One that was not part of the plan is kind of a value add to the community because most community members didn't expect to get this. So we've been able to bring quite a few uh, quality projects to the, to admit one, um, especially during a bear market. I mean, we've, we've had a few pretty good quality projects. Well, can you give us an example of one of these, like walk us through one of these and kind of how it's worked out? Yeah, I'll talk about one that we just did that's minting as we speak, um, uh, Virtue Animation Studios. So that's that's a project that is LA-based. Uh, they're looking to kind of create a 
uh, animation type project. Um, we've got a, a stellar team. One of the founders is in Admit One, Wags. Um, he's bringing together people that have background from Disney and from Pixar. They're looking to create something that is going to be more efficient than what the traditional animation movie studio is because in the traditional studio is a lot of red tape mm -hmm. so he's kind of started something where uh it's very i think uh organic in terms of growth uh minting with about 500 passes they're free um very much a similar approach to what g money did with admit one where he kind of curated who he wanted in that community and Wax has done the same thing with his project and kind of curated some very strategic people um, in his. And we were fortunate enough to get a nice allotment of passes in our community. And I think last look, the, the floor was doing pretty well. Um, it was a free mint, and I believe it's over an ETH or so. So, you know, projects like that are, are amazing when you could see things come together. If you build it right and have the right type of people around, your success is much higher. So. Yeah. Well, a quick follow-up question, because I think you you articulated a process that you guys had uh, within the committee, right? And, and the ticketing system, and you kind of vet these projects to see if it comes up to standard for Admit One, right? I mean, G-Money has such a big reputation that you guys really need to make sure that those projects aren't rugs, right? I guess for, for people listening, right, and maybe they're project founders that are listening, what what are some of the ways that you guys identify uh, whether a project is legitimate or not, or whether it's a project that would be a good fit? Are there, I guess, particular things or indicators that you guys look out for during that interview process? Uh, you know, I actually want to go back on something because you, you said something really interesting, which is G Money's uh, reputation is on the line, right? So that's the beauty of the Watchers. Um, you know, this current meta that we're in, if you want to call it that, we've kind of moved away from this Discord grinding meta that we had six months ago during the bull market for like those that were you know, out there at the height of the bull market, you know, to get into these really um, hyped projects that were coming out at the time, you literally had to spend hours and hours and hours upon end in discords doing raffles and retweeting tweets and all sorts of crazy stuff to like try to get into allow list. And I think this bear market has actually been like at least for this area has been actually beneficial for the space. Cause what we've seen over time is now projects have these collaboration committees within their projects. So what's interesting is you'll, you see things like uh, proof that sort of has their own internal system, but then they also have um, like community base allow lists. Like these are projects within proof that they'll put this little disclaimer at the bottom when they drop it and say, hey, this is a internal project from somebody within Crew for Moonbirds, you know, do your own research, et cetera, et cetera. But the beauty of the Watchers, which I find uh, better, is that <laughs> G-Money's reputation is not on the line in mm. this situation because this is a community-based allow list committee. So we although worked with them on the side, G-Money 
and their entire team have nothing to do with what we're doing. Like, if mm-hmm. you want to think about it in like crypto terms, like this committee, which I sort of like tried to design on purpose is for it to be decentralized in a way that's separated from G money and their core team. Um, which I, I really like to have, you know, in the background because that doesn't affect his reputation at all. But what's nice is like, we can still have this two way communication as well. Um, so, you know, if there's something that I think might benefit G money and the team, like I might say, Hey, this seems a little bit over our heads. Maybe we should just kind of check with the team. And they've been really good about saying, oh, you guys just go ahead with it, do your thing, or they'll take it in internally and have their own talks with them as well. But to have that separation within the Discord, there's like an admit one chat. Our our channels are separated and they're farther down in the Discord in our own category. So it sort of Mm. keeps the separation between the main project channels and what we're doing on the side. They're just sort of giving us a little bit of extra free reign within the discord yeah that's awesome i i think that's um that's really smart right because it gives some degree of risk management because it's a little bit difficult to control whatever these project founders end up doing um i guess is there any part of the process that you would be able to speak to because i'm sure you guys get an inflow of people in the dms that are probably wanting to get into that community per se Are, are there maybe any things that you could share as kind of takeaways for the audience that you would look out for and kind of shifting through this, or is it more organic relationships that you find to be uh, the ones that you guys onboard the most? When, when we get projects, usually, like I said, there's, there's three ways we usually get products. It's an internal, one of the founders is an A1 member, which usually is a little easier vetting process because we tend to know who they are. Um, Two, we may have admit one members that may say, hey, they pull up a ticket saying, hey, this project looks really interesting. This is why, blah, blah, blah. Here's a connection to the founder. Reach out to them, please. And then three, there's the watchers where we can go on ourselves and and, and approach projects uh, on behalf of the watchers admit one. So, I mean, from a personal standpoint, how I look at projects um founders are key um knowing who they are you know what their experience is who they're connected with um but also a big thing to me is is token off or not token off their mint their mint numbers so projects that are kind of in touch with what's happening are not coming to market with ten thousand supply and a 0.2 mint price the ones that are like connected and know what's happening are coming with maybe a 2000 supply and 0.08 mint price. So there's little things like that, that I pick up on. If projects know what they're doing, their numbers usually are more in in tune with what's happening in the space. Whereas ones that are not in tune, when it's a huge supply and overpriced, we know it's just going to sit there and it's not going to mint out. And then everyone's going to be losing money because then the floor price drops below the mint price. So um, there's that. And, you know, I think when you put enough um, well-respected people, the watcher committee's got nine, nine people. There's some pretty smart people there. 
um, we kind of put it up for discussion as well, right? So I may bring a project, this is why I like it. And the other members may say, hey, what about this? What about that? And then we have an internal discussion, which is almost kind of like a, a quality assurance type thing that maybe we didn't pick up on something before and maybe the project isn't a good fit for the community. Um, but it's funny that we've just kind of come out of that um, air part where there was all the free mints and people were just going crazy about free mints. And I think the community, all they wanted was free mints. They, they didn't really care about anything else, right? Who the founders were. They just, oh, it's free and I can mint it and, and sell it for a little bit of money. Now things are changing, right? So you're not seeing as many free mints. People that are minting are, are becoming a little bit more um, cautious with their, their buying decisions. They want to see more utility. They want to see founders that actually are doing what they're saying. Are they going to have value? So our job, I think, is becoming a little bit more difficult finding quality projects because the free mint ones were easy. We're not seeing those as much anymore. So I think, you know, our job in vetting quality projects is going to get a little bit more difficult. But th those are kind of some of the things that I look at, the watchers look at. And I think our community does a good job at, at identifying quality projects because I think most of the people that are in Admit One are pretty in touch with the space and they know what's happening and they know the good projects go after. So, so Crystal Ball, <clears throat> you see like, the future of NFTs in the next year, two years, like how do you see this panning out? Like these projects that you, you know, believe in or you're looking for these key factors, like how 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 would you see one of these like, you know, playing out like really successfully for you guys and for, you know, collectors or you utility users? Like what how would you envision how would you see that playing out? I mean, I think for me, you know, um what we saw at the end of last year, I mean, I'll call it a bubble straight up. I mean, we just were at this time where, you know, VCs were just pouring money. They had the spout fully open. They were, you know, funding as much stuff as they could. And, you know, we were seeing record prices and everything, uh, record uh, ETH numbers, you know, coming out. And I think what we've seen over the last couple of months, and, you know, a lot of this probably ties into the global markets as well, you know, of course, with inflation fears and other things that's going on in the world, um, is people are just sort of taking this kind of step back now. And they're really like looking at what they've bought <laughs> over the past year. And I mean, I know for myself, I've definitely bought into plenty of things that, that <laughs> I look at it and I'm like, why did I do that? Um, and I think that's probably the same for most people. Um, but what's, you know, interesting to me is, you know, I'm a data kind of numbers person and I mean, not looking specifically at ETH prices of where they're at. When you look at what things have actually held up over time, um, you know, just in, uh, ETH itself, um, the number, not like the USD conversion. When you look at like art blocks, when you look at, you know, squiggles, for example, when you look at, you know, punks and a lot of these like old school uh, projects that have just held up over time, um, you know, it sort of gives me a little bit of hope, you know, for the future. I mean, really, the ones that have taken the biggest hits are most of these PFP projects, which, which makes a lot of sense because there were just so many of them coming out 
on a daily basis. So now you can kind of take this step back and see the quality of like what is out there that's like really good to have. You have this uh, art side of things and then you have, you know, the proof inmate one sort of these uh, close gated tight knit communities that have held up over time. Uh, so, I mean, I think a year into the future from now, I mean, I, I, if I were to guess and hope, I mean, I'm not really hoping for another gigantic bull run back to the craziness again. I would like things to actually stay, for the most part, pretty steady. Um, you know, we have the ETH merge coming up and a lot of us don't really know exactly how crazy that's going to be or not going to be, or it could just be a non-event for all we know, but... You know, I would be happy if a year from now things are pretty steady the way that they're at and that we really just find these quality projects and um, stick with yeah, those. I, I can kind of jump in. I mean, I think we're very similar in terms of outlook. Um, honestly, I think the, the vast majority of stuff that is around right now is not going to be around in the long term. Um, you really see the, the ones that have been extremely successful in the space have been able to form very, very strong communities, right? So you've got Yuga with your Bored Apes, your Mutants, your CryptoPunks, your MeBets. You've got Proof with your Moonbirds and Oddities. Those type of projects are going to be the ones that will have staying power because they've got a good, strong community. If you don't have community, it's going to be very, very difficult to survive in this market. Um, I mean, some products, I guess, do have a community, but I, I don't think they're, we've got people in there, but they're not diehards. They're not people that are going to be wearing their merch every day and, and wearing their hats every day. It's different. So those really high quality um, communities are the ones that are going to have staying power. And every, the word utility gets passed around a lot. And, and those that actually deliver on utility which I mean, I can say from experience being a board ape holder, I've seen that utility firsthand going to New York and being on the yacht with a thousand of my fellow apes, going to an amazing concert in Brooklyn with all my fellow apes, going this year to Ape Fest and seeing, you know, Eminem and Snoop Dogg and Lil Wayne. That's utility. As somebody that um, really travels a lot to a lot of these conferences, and meets a lot of people. That's the utility I want is being able to meet cool people in cool locations and have a good time doing it. And I think that's something I think a lot of my fellow NFT collectors want because I, I think there comes a point where the financial aspect becomes secondary. You know, if you've made some money in the space, those relationships and, and community become I think the more important thing. So going forward, those type of communities that can find that magic of creating a good community, actually instilling utility and growing it are going to be the ones that have staying power. Crypto still right now is relatively small. NFT collector, even smaller. There's going to be a lot of people that come into the space over the next few years. So I'm sure we'll see another crazy bull run. You know, when we instead of having, you know, 200,000 people in the space and we have 5 million, what happens then? Nobody knows. But I mean, if you invest in quality and build quality, I think you'll you'll be able to um, survive those uh, 
those uh, corrections. And I, I mean, we've had quite a few over the last few years. And I think if you have a lot of your assets and quality projects, it hurts, but not as much as losing 90, 95, 99% of your investment. That's crazy. Right? So. That's, yeah, very, very interesting. No, I, I completely agree with, you know, what the both of you said. And maybe we could double click into that crystal ball a little bit more before we enter in what we call the rapid fire round is, um, you know, if you were to kind of think about the uh, NFT innovations, right? And a lot of people say building, the bear market is where the, uh, the building happens, right? Um, any interesting NFT innovations that you guys are seeing that's being built right now that you could point people towards? And anything interesting that you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, I'll just go, because, you know, I just w- I'm trying to think real quick of like, what are... The, you know, a couple of things that I just haven't seen at all and like what's pretty new over the last year. Um, I don't want to come in here and just like be shilling in mid one and G money the whole the whole time. So I'm going to save his thing for number two, <laughs> uh, you know, because we've already talked about a bit one a little bit. Uh, one that I found really interesting uh, lately, and I've actually seen this sort of cropping up uh every now and again uh, i'm sort of hearing whispers about it is this uh equity thing um dot earth which is from um zero x or you want to call him ox allen you know he's doing this thing called dot earth and um you know they're creating this blockchain explorer called atlas and so they had this pfp project called the nomads that came out pretty recently uh, you know, what's really interesting is, you know, we, we conducted this AMA with their team um, with the Watchers Twitter account recently. And what was interesting was this talk about having each nomad, you're able to KYC and have a piece of equity separately. You know, the token itself, the uh, avatar itself is not equity, you know, cause that would be a security of course, but that token gives you the right to KYC and buy a small chunk of equity with what they're actually building. And that seems pretty huge because there's a lot of projects out there that are taking in these huge funding rounds. And where is that money going? Is that is that going to the people? Is that going to the people running the project, to the actual people that are holding these tokens have like any right to like actually buy into the company itself? So I think that's like a really interesting like concept that hasn't really been explored too much yet. There's another project also with similar um, mechanics that have been from what I've been told, vetted by lawyers. So this is now two times now that I've heard that US-based lawyers have looked into this whole mechanic of this token-gated equity thing, and it seems to be okay for at least the US um, you know, citizens. Um, so that's one thing. And then just quickly, I'll just jump into what G-Money's doing. And this is like something I'm excited about is this whole a push into luxury fashion, but from a Web3 native standpoint. So, I mean, recently he just had his first um, drop, Mint, which only went to a Mint 1 holders. Um, And, you know, it's interesting because I'm in, like, you know, you guys are like YVR is. I mean, he's in Board Ape. He's in, you know, the proof 
ecosystem. I'm also in the proof ecosystem with oddities and, um, you know, other communities. So what's interesting is seeing how people have talked about it from the outside and how they talk about it from the inside. So what's interesting is that this isn't a merch drop. I mean, every PFP project out there in the world, you know, drops really cool merch. I mean, YVR right now is wearing his Moonbirds hat, right? But if you like take that hat off and look at the tag, you know, it's some random company that Proof used to make that hat. Like it's not a luxury product. So what's really interesting is what G Money is doing is creating an actual Web3 native brand, uh, 9DCC, which is an interesting name. And if you don't know where that came from, from what I've been told and have heard, they went through, I believe, hundreds of ETH wallets, creating wallets, and then took the last four digits of the wallet that they thought sounded the coolest and went with 9DCC. So 9DCC is like the last four digits of an Ethereum wallet. But, you know, besides the fact that there's this IYK chip embedded into the shirt itself, um, this is an actual branded 9DCC product. So what he's actually doing is creating a luxury brand, which I find really interesting. Um, you know, there is other brands like we've seen Nike recently um, with a lot of the merch stuff that they're doing um, as well. And so I think we're seeing like a lot of these luxury brands also trying to make their way into the space. And, you know, we've seen G Money work with Adidas and uh, what was it? Adidas and uh, what was the other one? Now I'm blanking out. Prada, right? Yeah, Adidas and Prada. Um, you know, and this is, I think, really the first time that we're seeing a Web3 native clothing brand being created in the space. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm watching it so closely. So is it like each piece of clothing has its own unique ID? Like, I mean, you know how like Rolexes come with like a certificate of authenticity? Is it that sort of yeah. idea where so, like this piece Yeah, has I mean, they haven't, they haven't really... They're keeping, of course, a lot of things secret. I'm sure that they're, you know, we're going to find out that there's some like really cool uh, mechanics with this like mm -hmm. tag that we don't know about yet. But, you know, I think that's really just first and foremost, the main idea is that, you know, you think of a Birkin bag, right? You know, you go and you're seeing these prices that people are paying for Birkin bags and you, you know, pick one up from the store. Do you know how many of those have actually been created? Mm -hmm. you don't like there's no tag in there that gives you like a serial number of how many have been created you don't know mm -hmm. you know they create this atmosphere of scarcity but then you don't know how scarce this thing actually is so to have this clothing brand come in and say there's going to be 1111 t-shirts that's it that's all that mm -hmm. will ever be created you pick your size whatever sizes were picked out of that 1111 that's it and so this tag that you scan when you claim the shirt, if you do claim it, because it's actually vaulted uh, through the 4K protocol mm. and sits in a warehouse, it's insured. So you have that like gamification of, should I claim this? Should I leave it in the uh -huh. vault? Should I claim it and wear it? Should I claim it and put it in my closet and not open it? So there's like a lot of like really interesting concepts that you have you know, in this gamification all going on at the same time. Plus, on top of that, you had Justin Aversano take 
an individual photograph of for each size. So that is actually going to split off and be a separate NFT after the, the 4K token drop. So it's just really cool how, you know, G Money and the team have really created, uh, you know, this gamification on top of fashion, on top of technology, on top of blockchain technology. That's very cool. Can I ask a follow up question to that? Uh, for the clothes, yeah. if it's sitting in a, in a warehouse, is that is there like a claim window or like does it sit there indefinitely? Because I'd be curious no. about that, right? Like, like what if uh, people never claim it and it's like 50, 60, 70 years later, does it still sit in there? Or Yeah, well, that's that's the interesting thing is, I mean, as long, I guess as long as the 4K protocol is around and there's a warehouse <laughs> that's still insured <laughs> and in operation, you know, those shirts are going to be sitting there and insured and just waiting to be claimed. But yeah, I mean, there's no uh, claim window. And that's, that's the fun part about it is like, you know, once you open a piece of luxury, you know, a luxury item and wear it, you know, just like a car that would decrease its value a little bit, you know, if you were to go back and try to resell that, you know, it might not be worth as much, but you know, you have this like scarcity aspect of knowing the exact supply of how many exist, how many have actually been claimed and that are sort of out there in the wild, uh, so mm -hmm. to speak. Because what's interesting is when you claim this shirt, you have to burn the 4K token to receive the shirt. But in when you open the shirt and scan the tag, you're going to have a separate token like showing that you have, it's like a digital reprint representation that you actually claimed and opened the shirt mm. like a verifiable yeah so anybody can go through and if you were to say like sell sell the shirt you know you can sell the shirt and transfer that token over and then you can actually follow going all the way back from when the shirt was minted it's so cool that whole chain of custody down the line which you, yeah you don't have in luxury fashion right now wow that is super cool ybr what about yourself yeah, no, I think those who know me, I'm very passionate about music. I think music's one of those areas that I think has massive upside, especially in Web3. A um, couple of examples that we've been lucky, been part of, uh, Hume Genesis. Um, so they're the ones that are kind of creating a music uh, platform for Metastars. They have one called Angel Baby which has already been a fairly successful artist in the space. So I'm just waiting for that next, who's going to be that next meta star? Because I, I mean, we've got a lot of pop stars, but I'm just waiting for that. There's going to be that moment, I don't know, this year, next year, a couple of years from now, somebody's going to come into the space as a, a, a meta star and, and just going to just blow it, blow it off and, and become a, one of the biggest people in all of music. So. I'm just waiting for something like that to happen. Um, another one that we have internally is Kingship. So Kingship has four board apes that have kind of created a musical group. Uh, again, uh, music-based, uh, has some strong uh, people behind it uh, that are Admit One holders. And again, building a very interesting play on on Web3 and, and music and and irl experiences so that's the thing that's got me really excited is, is music nobody's been really able to 
say they've dominated or done something incredible, but that's going to happen. It's not if, it's when. And trying to pick that right project that is situated to have that kind of success is what I'm really looking for. I love it. Can, let me ask you this. What do you guys, <clears throat> in terms of, you know, being from the, the G money world, like, what do you think G money like brings to the table that, you know, sets him apart from a lot of these other guys? Like, what is he doing? What is he thinking? Or how does he approach it that, you know, um, just brings so much value to, I mean, these things that just sets him apart? I think G's probably, I mean, I, I travel a lot for I'm pretty much at all the major conventions. I don't think there's anybody in the space that is better connected in terms of high quality relationships than G. Uh, he knows everyone, everyone knows him. So just, we all know that success in this space is all relationship based. So a guy that probably has some of the best, if not the best circle of relationships around him. I mean, that, when we get into projects, we usually want to be investing on the founders. And if you've got a founder that's so well connected and is almost, I would look at G almost like a visionary. He's, he's looking, we're, we're here right now. And G's always like a year or two ahead of us thinking what else is coming. So having somebody like that, uh, as your, uh, as the guy that's leading the admit one project and nine DCC, I think we're, we're very fortunate. Venture, you got anything to say about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree a lot with what he was saying. I mean, his 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 connections. Uh, I mean, and whether it be rumor or not rumor, I mean, it seems like he knows and can get a hold of whoever he wants to, whenever he wants to. Like one of the things that I thought was like most interesting was, uh, you know, seeing posts. I don't remember if it was before admit one or after. Um, but like he went to, um, you know, I don't even know what country he went to. It was for like a Prada event and like to see G Money with like a Prada bag, you know, getting posted on the Prada Twitter page. I was like, this guy can do whatever he wants. Like he can go <laughs> wherever he wants and do whatever he wants. And <laughs> I mean, like if you go through and you read his like manifesto, what I find really amazing is that he wants it to he wants this admit one thing to be a community of like-minded people like who really kind of understand how critical it is to disrupt like these traditional industries like they're doing that you know with this 90 cc with fashion um you know and disrupt is uh, interesting I, I believe that's like the word that he used uh in the manifesto for me that's a little bit interesting because you kind of have this like uh, this partnership thing that you want to do, but at the same time, like you're actually disrupting the industry with like the technology factor. So I really like how, you know, he's been able to like start onboarding some of these companies um, that are, you know, huge web two fashion companies into the space. So I really think like with the connections that he, he has and uh, just sort of his reach in even into the web two space is going to, is setting it apart from a lot of other projects. I, I know we're uh, hitting up the, the top of the hour here, but we do have something called the rapid fire round. 
or we have a, a series of <laughs> questions prepared for you. Uh, and, and the goal is to answer it as quickly as possible. Uh, John, do you want to kick us off with that? Are we going to do uh, uh, both? Both of us are going to do rapid fire. How's this working? So we'll do a round robin. So you'll answer first and then YVR you're after. Okay, well, we'll, we'll let YVR take question one then. <laughs> you, no, no, I was saying, you go, but you both have to answer each question. Well, he'll, he'll go one, I'll go two. Okay, are you ready? 60 seconds on the clock. Quickly, how would you explain NFTs to a five-year-old? I would say like a, di- a piece of digital, proof of digital ownership. I would just say digital collectible. That's pretty easy to understand. Nice. Out of 100%, what percent are you art collector, investor, and degenerate gambler? Me, 60, 60 30, 10. I would go, I think I'm the same, 60, 30, 10. Can't copy my answer. <laughs> yeah, why are you copying him? <laughs> okay, we'll go 50, 50, 20, 30 then. <laughs> 50, 20, 30. All right, uh, YVR, what was your biggest NFT win? I think I know this answer. Uh, bo- yeah, board ape mint day one. Venturing? Me, me is a mint one, actually. Nice. How about this? What was your biggest NFT loss? Mm, maybe 0.2 ETH, 0.25 ETH. I'm pretty good with controlling. I don't sell much, so I don't lose much. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think for me about the same. It was a pixelated picture of a piece of kale from a, uh, I will leave unnamed Twitter influencer. <laughs> okay piece of kale okay we'll have to look that one up all right no don't uh, do that <laughs> uh what nft project do you think is most underrated uh nft for photography i think i'm gonna go with what ybr was talking about before is music nfts i, I can't think of a specific project but one of those all right ybr what is your nft holy grail I have a doc. I have a NFT of Dr. Dre sitting over his mixing board in Compton, 1987. What? Nice. Dang, I, I can't beat that at all. I don't even. I don't even want to say one. <laughs> it doesn't even be one you have. It's, it could be one not, you want. It's not so much a financial thing. It's special to me because I grew up on that uh, on that music, so it's special to me. I'm gonna go for Fidenza then. Nice. All right. If you only had one ETH to buy an NFT, what would you buy? I, I would buy a lot. I would buy lots of new artists' Genesis piece. I'd spread it around. One ETH. I would probably buy a pop pass because I think the CPG community is underrated. Nice. All right. How about uh, YVR? What book has had the biggest impact on you? We just. I just read uh, the Curious Economic of Luxury Fashion. Oh my Beautiful God. book. You're taking it too. Yeah, that amazing book on. It really opened my eyes on on luxury fashion, and I guess because we're going down this path in IDCC, it really uh, made me realize there's massive potential. What was it called again? Uh, the Curious Economics of Luxury Fashion by Don Thompson. Yeah, wow, I'm, I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna say the same thing because we do have a book club at Emit One, so. It is a great book. Woo! Nice. All right. That's it. You guys passed. All right. (laughs) That's awesome, you guys. I'm excited about music NFTs, too. I think the thing with music NFTs is like, do you remember when we had like Winamp and stuff like, and and then there was like the Steve Jobs era of like dollar music. Like, I think there just has to be like some sort of player that will detect the NFT and then be able to like open it or like some sort of like, it needs a player, some sort of verifiable app or something so that 
that everyone's using. But the thing is, everybody gets free music from Spotify. So there's no problem there, you know, so why would they change it? So then you have to maybe tie it to art or something because people like the visual thing. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I have a bunch of friends in the music business here too. And I'm like trying to see like how how it's going to play out because for sure, I mean, that's something people want to support the artist and... You know, and they want to, you know, the good way to get into concerts, get early access to tickets. So mm-hmm. it seems inevitable. And, you know, they don't want scalpers taking all the profits and they can make royalties. It's just a matter of like YVR was saying before, like the first meta star that really just understands it and grasps it and just brings in the masses of like, here's how you do it. Here's how it solves all these problems. Yeah. And the question is, who who, who establishes that platform? Because no, there's lots out there, but nobody has kind of uh, established themselves as a clear leader. So it's it's fair game right now. So maybe the yeah. top, maybe yeah. the top one could be something we don't even know about right now. That's, that's yeah. And you know what's interesting? You know what's interesting is there seems to be different aspects of like music NFTs. I mean, you got like Sound XYZ that lets you sort of like own like little sections of like a song or um you know actual pieces of music but then you have this other aspect of it and what's interesting is i was at this uh proof the future proof event in venice uh here in california the other night and uh you know mike uh shinoda who's the singer of lincoln park was there and i actually got to kind of sit there and talk with him for a bit and one of the things that i think is kind of underrated and he you know had talked about it there without me even saying anything is like just being you know a fan club like just fan clubs for bands. And I mean, like the, the example that he came up with, uh, you know, is like, and nobody even talks about it anymore is Death Bats from like Avenged Sevenfold and like what they did for their PFP project and like a lot of the utilities that they had. And, and, and it's crazy because nobody talks about that project anymore. But if you kind of look back and think about it, you know, people were able to get like discounted tickets to shows or, you know, get like preferred seating at a concert and just like all these like little utilities. It's almost like having a, a fan club. And I mean, you know, if you wanted to, you can even open edition these things like it doesn't even have to be a PFP project. You can use mm-hmm. NFTs as your fan club membership, you know, something as simple as that. So, you know, it was really interesting to talk to somebody that's been in music you know, as a musician for 20 years, uh, you know, at this point and some of like his thoughts on the space. It's going to be crazy. Where can people find you and um, follow you and learn a little bit more about what you guys are working on? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm uh, on Twitter at YVR underscore trader. Um, yeah. I mean, I've got, I think I've got my fingers in a lot of different communities. So I kind of spend my time between board apes and proof and admit one and then I kind of do my own investment thing on the side. So yeah, Twitter's the best. I, I I try to be as transparent as possible, what I'm investing in, what I'm collecting in, um, and share my thoughts on things. So that's that's probably the best place. Yeah, I think same same for me too. Twitter, uh, aventuring underscore ETH is my uh, username there on Twitter. And also we have our watchers uh, account as well. Um, you know, everything, all the collaborations that we're doing with our watchers committee that we're passing out to emit one uh, members is going through the watchers zero 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 one on Twitter as well. Nice. Well, thank you so much, guys. You guys are both awesome people. I mean, I'm yeah, so excited that we guys. got to meet and chat, you know, like 
I can tell YVR is a, like a really delightful dude adventuring you too. So, I mean, thanks <laughs> thank so much you. for coming on, you guys. I loved it. Uh, thank you, John. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, pleasure. And yeah, I'm, I'm part of your, I've got a Firebird as well. So I'll have to hop into the Firebird Discord a little bit. I saw it. that. It's a sick Firebird. We didn't even tell anybody. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's got the diamond eyes. It's amazing. Yeah, I got a good one. I lucked out. So that, my problem is there's just too many discords. I just don't, there's not enough time to <laughs> jump, jump in the mire. It's not. There's not enough, but yeah. that's why conversations like this are great because you get to meet, you know, important, nice, important people doing great things. And yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. No, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys. So thank you. Cool. Great. Thanks. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. If you like the pod, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It really helps for discovery. We will remember our early supporters. None of this is financial advice, so please do your own research. If you'd like to be on the podcast or you have an idea for a guest or a story, please hit us up on Twitter at hotwings underscore XYZ. Special thanks to Umi Capilla for writing the intro music. Umi is a composer well-known for working on movies like Star Wars, Rogue One, Clint Eastwood's The Mule, and HBO's Chernobyl. He was also the lead guitarist of Filter, singing songs like Hey Man, Nice Shot. His info will be in the show notes, so give him a follow. And Umi, thank you so much. Until next time, peace!